Health and wellness comes in many forms, whether physical, emotional, mental, or even spiritual and social. Today's guest focuses on emotional health, improving it one patient at a time, and helping to improve lives in Union County while doing so. Hello, I'm Lacey Ritter, Recruitment and Project Development Coordinator and Assistant Professor in the Sociology Department. And hi, I'm Kathy Wright. I'm the Director um, of the CCG and Head of the Religion Department, and this is Against the Grain. Today's episode focuses on one of our series um, in our podcast series, Community Partner Portraits. These outward facing episodes will give you a glimpse into the lives of our community partners, see what amazing work they do every single day, and the ways we at the CCG and Wingate University can help. Our special guest speaker today is Rainey Collins from the Center for Emotional Health. But before we get to that, let's start with some fun facts to help our listeners get to know you better. If you were a Crayola, what color would you be and why? So I chose, I think I'd be a turquoise crayon because um, I think it's a really fun color and I definitely try to be as fun as possible. Um, it also is, reminds me of the color of the ocean, which is my recharge place. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel most at peace there. I feel just completely anew when I'm there. Um, and it's also a color that I've also always wanted my hair to be, but I've never been able to dye it that color. So yeah, I chose that color for many reasons. Oh, wow, that is so cool. And, and speaking of, you know, islands and quarantines, Lacey, do you have another question? Yes, uh, if you were quarantined for at least two weeks with three different celebrities and or famous people, and you can choose anyone dead or alive, who would you pick and why? So I have to say that I've got to look at this question through my um, introverted lens, because if this was the typical dinner party question, um, there, you know, that'd be easy. I could pick three people that I could have dinner with. But to think about quarantining for two weeks with celebrity energy, um, seems like a lot. So I actually just chose one. I only chose um, Lady Gaga because she is a big advocate for mental health. Of course, a wonderful artist, um, also dance, uh, you know, not just um, with music, but also dance. So I think I could totally vibe with her for two weeks and her energy and we could sing and dance and talk. For two weeks so she's the one person I chose that I think I could handle two weeks with that is like so it. cool <laughs> yes I was gonna say she is the whole ent entertainment package I think mm -hmm. you know so oh, yes oh that's so neat all right well let's do this people uh, so before we get into your work with the Center for Emotional Health um, let's have our, our listeners get to know you a little bit more so Tell us, where are you from? Do you have a favorite memory or trip? Is there, what, what would you love your listeners to know about you? Now we know you're a little bit more of an introvert. So what are some of the things that are out there in the world to help us get to know you a little better? Uh, so I am originally from a little town, York, South Carolina. Um, after high school though, I ventured out uh, for goodness over a decade 
um, and lived in Columbia, South Carolina, um, and then I went to uh, New, New Hampshire for graduate school. Uh, and actually during that time when I was in graduate school, um, later on in my, in my 20s, uh, is when I took my first, not my first trip, but at a, well, it was my first trip out of the country, but it's definitely one of my um, uh, favorite memories. Um, so uh, we got a research visa to go to Cuba and we were there for about 10 days. And that was probably one of the most um, enlightening experiences of my life. I really learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about um, my experience in our society, being in a completely different culture and different society. Um, so I think one of the biggest lessons that I took from that was going into another country and being the minority. Um, it was a very, very um, small experience, only a snapshot view of being a person in the minority. Um, but it was, it taught me a lot and helps me to be able to step in other people's shoes um, even more. I will never be able to um, fully um, live the life of someone that has um, had discrimination or is a minority. Um, but I have at least some more empathy and sympathy that I can provide in supporting them in, in whatever they need. Oh, wow. That's such a neat experience. Was that through the university? Yes, it was a research visa, and I was actually in my research class at the time. So uh, we did our project for that, for that class on our trip to Cuba. Do you remember what the research was or what class it was? Just to inspire so, some of the faculty who may be listening. Um, so oh, it was at Antioch University, New England. Um, and honestly, you're, you're putting me on the spot to try to remember off the top of my head. So sorry. Um, my professor, but I know is our research uh, class. And I believe what me and the three other, um, three of my other friends, dear friends, um, did for our project uh, at, during that trip was uh, really reflect on our personal experience. It was more of a quantitative research project about our experience, and I spoke about my experience of being um, being a, a white individual in in a being a minority in Cuba. Oh wow, I'll that think. sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was. Well, let us now transition. So we got to know a little bit more about you before you got to where you are now. But for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the Center for Emotional Health, can you tell us a bit about it? Um, maybe the mission statement or the purpose of the organization, some history, just whatever you think that our listeners would like to know. Yes. So uh, the mission statement for Center for Emotional Health is to improve the quality of life of individuals and families from all walks of life by compassionately serving uh, those, their mental health needs and addiction needs. Um, Center for Emotional Health, I think, has been an establishment since about 2008. Um, there's been some, so many changes over the years. I actually joined CEH in 2013. And at the time, I think there was about, I, I, what I remember, maybe seven or eight locations. Now we have 17 locations um, from Winston-Salem to Ballantyne. Um, so when we serve individuals uh, age four and up um, with a variety of mental health issues, and we are a private mental health organization. That is awesome. Obviously, they have been growing, and this has been going on for quite a while. And you did mention that you started working for the Center for Emotional Health in 2013. 
So what actually brought you to the organization and what's that experience been like so far? And if you would like to share some of your favorite or best memories, we would love to hear. So what brought me to Center for Emotional Health was very shortly after I graduated um, with my master's degree uh, in dance movement therapy and mental health counseling. I, of course, was on the job search and uh, Center for Emotional Health was one of, is one of the first ones that I got an interview with. I uh, really agreed with what, with what they were doing and stood for. And so I've been with them ever since. Uh, some of my, I guess there's a lot of memories that I have because I've been there for almost seven years now. Um, but I will say that some of my favorite moments are when my some of the people that I work with tell me, I had this moment and I heard you in my head tell me this very thing that you taught me just last week. So when they come back and are able to tell me that they really heard me and that in a way they're imagining me in their head in a healthy way, <laughs> appropriate way, that helps them. Those are moments that, that, that boost me. Even though of course I can't take full credit because they're doing the work and I'm just there to, to be a catalyst. So, but those are some of my favorite moments. Some of our listeners are our students who are trying to discern their path in life and you had a very interesting combination in your masters so dance therapy and mental health so that might give some of our students kind of a creative license to see themselves doing uh, similar work so tell us a little bit about your undergrad and how you got into kind of dance therapy um, and because then that'll lead me into talking to you specifically about what actual, like what work do you do with the organization? But mm -hmm. I'm curious about that part of your path. So my undergraduate degree is actually a BFA in dance performance and choreography. My intent after undergrad was to go perform and be with, dance with companies and be a background dancer for music artists and that just didn't pan out, I think, for a number of reasons. Um, I think my own body was starting to shut down. Um, I realized that uh, dancing with four companies at one time was not helping me pay the bills, and I was not feeling a sense of fulfillment that I thought I was going to have. Uh, I, I enjoyed teaching to a degree, but it not in the traditional way with dance. Uh, so at the time I was working with a um, health practitioner and they were trying to help me find a different career path. And they told, asked me what my two, you know, what did I, was I interested in? What did I love? And of course I say dance. And I mentioned psychology is, was something of, of interest to me in undergrad. And, I, in a way, wish that I had uh, done a minor with it, but it just, that didn't pan out because of the hours of dedication to a dance degree. Um, and this practitioner told me about dance movement therapy. I did some research and I, you know, I could recall that in my orientation, dance orientation class, uh, first semester in undergrad, it was like breezed over for dance movement therapy. So I got, to know a little bit more about it post undergrad and found Antioch University, New England. I applied, 
and got accepted. Then 15 days later, I was up in New England and starting the program in 2010. And it's just... Been, the rest is history. Yes, it clicked. Um, I'm able to teach people using it, teach people in a way. Um, it is very fulfilling and uh, it's really just an all-encompassing approach, mind, body, spirit, to helping people be better in their lives. So that's a perfect segue into the idea of the work that you're doing. So um, tell us a little bit more about some of the work that you are doing with, you say you're helping people like mind, body, and spirit. What would that look like in a day? Like what, what do your days look like? So I work about eight hours, and in those eight hours, a typical work day, I meet with a variety of people. I work with uh, anyone from age four to 54. So it just all depends on who's on my schedule for that day and me having to be versatile and adapt and shift to what they need. Uh, so with my younger individuals, that is more on the movement side. I'm either playing games or uh, making obstacle courses in my office or putting on some music and listening to it and being silly and dancing around um, or playing out stories. A lot of, I think that would be more of what I do in movement is stories and imaginary play with younger individuals. With teenagers, it's that's when it seems like people tend to get more in their heads. So it's not as much of the movement. It's more, it's gonna look more like sitting down and talking and incorporating some movement uh, interventions, especially for coping. With the adults, it's definitely more on the talkative side sitting, but even in that, I'm observing their body movements. I'm teaching them some movement interventions that are specific, specific to their needs. Um, and I'm making sure to model uh, free, open, mm -hmm. uh, relaxed movement so that I'm my energy is hopefully influencing them to also be relaxed and calm and open to change. Wow. I, I want to go hang out with you for some days. I'm already calmer just listening to all the different things and thinking about how I want to move my body through space to help with my mental health. Speaking of creating obstacle courses in your office, your title is its own obstacle course full of awesome labels and headings. So you are an MALCMHC BCDMT licensed clinical mental health counselor, qualified supervisor, and dad's movement therapist. So <laughs> both for our students who are curious as to what that looks like, how um, and what those qualifications do. Can you explain a little bit more about those in, in connection with what you do at um, CEH? Do you guys call it CEH or is it yes. just? Yeah, so okay. it's referred to as CEH for short instead of gotcha. Center for Emotional Health. Yes, so CEH for short. Um, so MA stands for Master of Arts, so just representing the degree that I, I got. 
LCMHC is Licensed Clinical Mental Health Counselor. It is the, I am approved through the North Carolina Board of Licensed Clinical Mental Health Counselors, which so that is a state entity that has approved my license to be able to practice in the state of North Carolina. Now, my BCDMT is Board Certified Dance Movement Therapist, and that is a more of a national credential through the American Dance Therapy Association. Uh, and that is what I got my degree in as well. Well, I got I basically got a dual degree, clinical mental health counseling, as well as dance movement therapy. So I've got the two separate credentials. That makes for the coolest office and meeting times with you ever, obviously. Absolutely. And one of the things I, I've been dying to ask you throughout this is, so we have lots of faculty and staff members who are dealing with stress at home, whether it's trying to homeschool kids, caring for aging adults, um, self-care. Um, so is there something, any advice that you would give maybe to some of our parents out there to kind of navigate this COVID-19 world? Um, and also those that are dealing with like older parents, is there anything that they could do to help, help with their mental health? So I think that depending on who I was speaking with, whether, whether it was a mother at home with the kids schooling them or someone that is helping to take care of uh, an elderly parent, I guess what would be a common thing that I would recommend is making sure to carve out time for themselves, making sure that they're doing something that recharges them and that they enjoy. And that can be in whatever form for them, whether that's learning to crochet and knit or playing video games or taking a walk or taking a shower or bath whatever it is, but making sure to make time for themselves and making other people aware of that time. Maybe telling their children, this is mommy time or telling their elderly parent, this is my time. And if that only can be 30 minutes, that's 30 minutes for them to have to themselves to recharge, to then be able to go back to their other tasks, their other roles, but they always need to come back to them themselves as an individual and take care of that first. I am terrible at doing that, but I definitely am just going to keep re-listening to this podcast episode to remind myself. It's true. Have her voice in your head, Lacey. You know, yeah. just have imagine it. that I'm telling you yet again. Yes. <laughs> it is true. And, and I know Perfect. faculty and staff are trying to negotiate how to care for their students in their class. And mm -hmm. one of the things is to take a break in your 90 minute class 60 minute class to mo actually move your bodies yes. and uh so is there something really simple that you could do for like a couple of minutes that you would say is a really good best practice or um i was thinking because we roll our shoulders forward and we're uh -huh. so tight is like loosening you know loosening up our shoulders standing up but is there something yes. maybe a dance move that we could do or actually no i well of course there could always be a dance move um but actually i like to find simple practical ways because yeah nobody's somebody's not going to get up in the classroom and start dancing that's just not normal behavior um but what what would be normal what would be a be a appropriate is yes stand up if you need to go watch the bathroom real quick or if you need to go stand at the back of the classroom and yet stretch your arms back or down to the side that is something that is appropriate within normal range and it's all about intention if you know that you need to get up take a break a moment away 
intentionally stand up and go do it. Absolutely. Uh, so we have gotten to see you around at some root summits and things like that. But really the thing that's exciting to me is that the mission of CEH, along with some of the goals that you have for working with your clients, is pretty much the same as what the CCG does. We're all about reciprocity, knowledge, democracy, improving well-being. And so when you think about our university students or any faculty staff that are trying to lead a project or initiative, how could they get involved with CEH in a way that combines kind of the CCG and the CEH for all of our uh, abbreviation awesomeness? Um, and what can they learn about both their experience working with you and any community members that they might come in contact with? So I think that a really important point uh, would be focusing on uh, stigma reduction with mental health. So whether someone is working with us, CEH in some capacity, or any other mental health organization, I think one thing is helping people to not feel stigmatized in seeking out help uh, for mental health care. I believe one there's a couple of things that seem to be the hardest things to say, but they should be the simplest things for people to say, such as, I'm sorry, I love you, and I need help. I need help seems to be one of the hardest things. So what I would just want every, anyone that is involved in helping the community, especially when it comes to mental health, is just helping people to know that it's normal to struggle, it's normal to have difficulties. Some individuals have more than others, and so they definitely need the help. There's, or I think everyone at some point in their life is going to need mental health care, and there's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. So, you know, Lacey, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Ooh, so, okay. you know our campus. You've been here for, you know, a few years now. Um, <laughs> who could you see, like, what departments could really help with that mission, with that idea on our campus? Because I want to give our listeners, like, creative things to think about um, and how yeah. they could implement it in their class, whether it's a service, just a one-off service day, if it's inviting Ronnie in, into your classroom and CH, or perhaps even a service learning course, what would you, like what departments and uh, would you see as good partners for this? Um, I mean, I may be a little biased, but I'm definitely gonna say social psych. Uh, <laughs> just because we, in both departments, focus on mental health and wellness, just in different ways. Um, and so, you know, it also a little biased, both Candy and I are part of the CCG and teach those courses. Uh, Candy works with younger adults and children, and then we both work with seniors. So getting to kind of partner up, um, but also, especially with the dance component, having our OT, PT, and PA students um, working on either you know, coming in and learning how to do some of that therapy as well, or providing that at different levels, maybe bringing it into the college campus, or even, mm -hmm. uh, you know, post-COVID time, have a have a day where we bring together some of our community partners that could work with the students. So maybe um, you coming in and showing them some of the ways uh, that you work with your patients would be pretty great. So mm -hmm. I think that's the really cool thing about a lot of our programs at Wingate is there is a way to tie it in with a lot of our community partners that some groups might not think about. 
Um, obviously, any of our health sciences would also be a great fit with your program. Um, but honestly, I was thinking, I was also thinking education and communication yeah. and our art department. Our art department, you know, and if you haven't listened to Nick Delange and the Alien Project about different people in our art department, you might want to check that out, that podcast mm-hmm. out, because the idea of adventure leadership and art are, are in sync for what he is doing as kind of facilitator of it. But I was just thinking as you were speaking, um, Lacey, I was just like, imagine if we could, you know, help our educators in K to 12 and, you know, reducing stigma in our communication classes for businesses, because often, you know, they're having, there's employee, um, assistant programs like winget has one as well but they don't make use of it and you know finding out why and and how to better communicate the information and art and movement and music and so does anything kind of resonate with you rainy yes because actually what i would want to add to that is the point that i would emphasize is that it's about emotional health uh, and about emotional in- increasing emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is about just basically awareness of how you're feeling, how you're doing, and making sure that the, that your your emotions you are using them with purpose and constructively. And I think that people underestimate that emotional intelligence can be such a foundational component for success. No matter if you're in business, no matter if you are in the arts, no matter if you are in uh, no matter wh- in what field you're in, it would be a benefit. It would help people to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So aside from learning kind of some emotional health tips and tricks from your organization, what are some other ways that you all are interested in individuals volunteering or kind of joining CEH on various projects? How, how would our students get involved? And then what, in what ways could they do so currently? Yeah. So one way would be to get involved with the marketing department. Um, They're always looking for new projects, new partnerships to help out in the community. Um, Easiest way to get a hold of the marketing department would be through our website, cehcharlotte.com, and then filling out a contact form. Uh, So that is one of the best ways as of right now to really get involved and help, help us out to make connections. Great. Sounds good. Well, is there anything I know even with COVID, this is a tricky question, but is there anything that you would like to accomplish personally or CEH would like to accomplish in the coming year, uh, given the, you know, hopeful thinking that COVID goes away sooner than later? Um, Or is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about your organization, you getting involved? Any Uh, last thoughts? I guess the only thing that I could speak on is more... uh, personally slash professionally um, is that I, I I think that and I so what I would like to do in this next year more more of me personally slash professionally is to continue to expand my growing edges so that I can continue to help people to also grow and expand on their growing edges for better change in society and as a whole. 
I love that. Expand on my growing edges. Yeah, I was I'm just going to say that. that. On a post-it note and putting it in my viewpoints because mm-hmm. that's an awesome saying. And I love the dynamic nature of personhood that you're, you know, and growth and dynamism and, and adapting and, and, but that growing edges. I like that. So mm, thank you for sharing. We, we so appreciate that you took the time to come in and, and chat with us and all the, the Wingate University listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Absolutely. was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Anytime. And so for our listeners, stay tuned for some more exciting Against the Grains episodes where we focus on sowing the seeds of change in Eastern Union County. Bye.